Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is June 9th, 2023, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. It is Friday. It is a WASD day, and guess what? Kevin is here. Hello, Kevin Combs with McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Michael. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. You made it. Have you had donuts today? You know, I I did not partake because... I ate way too much yesterday, and a donut was just going to put me over the edge. Understood, understood. What was your what, what did you say the acronym for WASD was again? Wake up and scarf donuts, everybody. Wake up and scarf donuts. All right, that's today. And I'm also joined by Eric Thornton, commodity specialist for McKinney Flavel. Hello, Eric. Hello, Mike. Happy Friday to you. Yes, thank you. You as well. Great. I know you're a golf fan, so I'm not even going to ask you about this whole PGA Live thing. That could be a different podcast for us. Mm. <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm avoiding that. Seemed like it was inevitable, I guess. Yeah, uh, once exactly. You get money involved, but I think it came as a surprise to, to many people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Hey, and before we get started talking about the WASD, I want to mention something to all you IQ subscribers of a new feature that we have. Uh, those that take advantage of our monthlies in many different commodities that we we put out there, uh, we have a new feature where you can download that as a PowerPoint. Yes, I said a PowerPoint. And you can use that uh, great content in PowerPoint format. So uh, just uh, wanted to mention that to all the IQ subscribers out there. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, let's go ahead and get started. Eric, I think we're going to start with you today. And uh, you're going to cover the grains markets uh, and even corn and soybean with uh, Nicole's absence. So uh, yeah. I'll let you take it from here. And then we'll uh, we'll finish up with something sweet. And that's Kevin. Yeah, sounds like a plan. And uh, I know, obviously... Uh the May WASD, I think we, we approached near 40 minutes, but today should be much less because, uh, you know, a lot to dig into with new crop 23-24 back last month. But this month, given the uh, the time of year, you know, still relatively early for the USDA to really dramatically be, you know, changing yield or production figures, at least for new crop. And that's kind of what we saw today, uh, starting, I guess, with corn first. No changes to to the yield number or total production size for this year's crop. Again, still a little bit early, despite the fact that it's it has been fairly dry the last three weeks. Fortunately, we are looking at rains this weekend and parts of next week, but ultimately that yield is left at 181.5 bushels per acre with a total production at 15.26 billion bushels. There was a slight boost to carry in, however, for new crop. And this was expected at least for um, 2022-23, seeing some additional demand revisions lower. Uh, we continued to trail in exports, so those were lowered by 50 million bushels. Uh, there was also maybe potential to see a small revision to ethanol. USDA chose not to, at least for this month. And then just a little bit of massaging for imports. So all in all, that boosted ending stocks for 22-23 by 35 million bushels. And again, that went right into the carry-in or beginning stocks for new crop. So things improved a little bit in the U.S. balance sheet. Uh, globally, again, not many changes that were notable. Maybe the one to call out was just that some optimism for Ukraine, at least for a little bit better production. Uh, I know they've had 
near perfect spring weather so far. And I think there's some, uh, again, some optimism despite the war that they'll be able to increase production. So they went up 2.5 million metric tons to 24.5 million metric tons. And as this flushed through the uh, the balance sheet, there was really only a, a small revision upwards to ending stocks, uh, now projected at 314 million metric tons. This is for new crop 23-24. So again, the story of a, a nice recovery compared to 22-23 by some 17.5 million metric tons, at least for global corn. So not... Um, not an earth shaker by any means for, for corn and soybeans. Uh, again, you're really talking the same narrative, had to kind of dig into any such changes. But starting with the U.S., there, there was no um, changes to production like corn. Yield stays at 52 bushels per acre, total production at 4.5 billion bushels. And similarly, the only revision was to beginning stocks based on uh, revisions lower to exports in the 22-23 crop year slightly. So we only saw a 15 million bushel increase to carry-in, which filtered down right through ending stocks for new crop, still pro- or projected now at 350 million bushels for soybeans. Uh, soybean oil, no changes there either. So um, still looking at production at 27 uh billion pounds and ending stocks at 1.8 billion pounds and uh globally as well uh similar story <laughs> not nothing to talk about there so again i won't really waste anybody's time going further with corn and soy only to say that uh, obviously there's going to be a significant amount of attention uh, from the market on weather both in the near term and long term especially as we push into july uh, before we get to july at the end of this month we'll have the june 30th ending stocks and acreage update here in the next few weeks. That'll be a pretty big driver leading up to that report and post the report. So for the time being, um, that's probably what we'll see trading there for the most part, corn and soy related. But on the the wheat side of the equation, we did see actually a decent amount of changes um, on the global balance sheet. But in the domestic uh, U.S. balance sheet, really nothing of surprise. there was a slight uptick in yield from where USDA was for their initial outlook. So we went up just just barely from 44.7 to 44.9 bushels per acre. And if folks have seen my commentary in IQ or even my comments a month ago, you know I did feel that the number they came out with out of the gate was a little bit low. So again, we're seeing this trend higher now. And I still think there's some upside uh, potential for that total wheat yield to climb, you know, above that 45, somewhere between 45 and 46 bushels per acre. Um, You know, spring wheat crops off to a really, really good start. That could help to lift that figure up. And again, these rains that we've gotten the last five to six weeks in the Southern Plains, while again, it's, it's too late to significantly turn around that crop, certainly some areas will benefit from that. And we'll probably see, you know, maybe some slightly better yields than anticipated. And um, we're obviously just getting into harvest and we'll start to see some of that confirmation. So keep an eye out for reports to come. You know, we could continue to see a slight increase to yield and to production. Again, not enough to dramatically change the balance sheet as we just saw uh, everything else hold constant in terms of demand. So ending stocks only moved up just 6 million bushels to now 562 
million bushels. So again, a move in the right direction in the eyes of the wheat buyer per se, but uh, I do expect that to continue to climb. On the on the last piece for the U.S. balance sheet, I was a little surprised that they did not touch exports for uh, old crop 22-23. So that uh, we're now here in June. This is the start of the new marketing year for wheat. It begins June 1st. And I know you know they kept that export target at 775 million bushels. I think that's a little bit too high, again, based on some of the numbers we we rounded out at at the end of May. So I think once we get the stocks report at the end of this month, we probably see USDA make make a necessary revision lower again to exports. Again, now that we're in the new marketing year, potentially as high as 50 million bushels from what I see. So again, that'll filter right into new crop, make things look, look a little bit better from that perspective. Um, but the bigger surprise today, at least for me, was on the global balance sheet. Uh, we saw production actually raise higher about 1.5% uh, going from 790 to 800 million metric tons. So record production, uh, the biggest increases, um, at least the ones that were anticipated was out of the Black Sea. So both both Russia and Ukraine saw upticks, three and a half million metric tons from Russia and one million metric ton to Ukraine. Um, again, they've had great spring weather there their winter wheat crops are looking really good. So definitely um, expected there. And even Russia could be a little bit higher than than where the update today came out at 85 million metric tons. I think that number could even go just a smidge higher based on some of the, uh, the good reports, at least uh, surrounding and within Russia, not just uh, taking Russia's word for it. But um, that also of note kind of puts Russia's export share up further. So they're now up to 46.5 million metric tons of global exports. That's about 30% of all wheat exports. So again, one of the bigger assets um, or pieces of leverage, I guess you'd say the Russians have in this war is they do have a stranglehold uh, or a large chunk of that global wheat export share. And then I'd say on the questionable side, at least where um, USDA chose to uh, change production. They raised EU production up 1.5 million metric tons to now 140 and a half. I think that's a little questionable. It has been fairly dry the last month there, and I know that there is some concerns on on spring wheat and maybe some tailing off of their winter wheat crops. So again, I'm a little puzzled as to why they chose to increase it, but we'll see if maybe they scratch that and come back lower in the months to come. And then again, India they moved. Uh, higher to record production by three and a half million metric tons up to 113.5. And I've only seen really conflicting uh, reports more pessimistic though and inconsistent weather that they had this winter and early spring that I think that um, number is a little bit too high, again, too optimistic. So we'll see if those numbers come lower. But again, all in all, I think that uh, was a bearish surprise to the market. Again, new Record production forecasted higher. So the ending stocks as it filtered through with an uptick in demand as well, we're seeing a nice little boost to ending stocks by 7 million metric tons up to 270 million metric tons. So that, if it holds, would be first surplus in stocks that we've seen in three years. So kind of ending a three-year decline in global wheat stocks. Um, so again, things moving in the right direction 
But, um, you know, time will tell. Again, I, I think there's plenty of changes still to be had in these next few months as we start to get more information on these crops. And, um, you know, for that, I think that's all I really took away from today. Again, a couple weeks of weather and, and looking for June 30th. Great. Great recap, Eric. Uh, let's shift over to uh, sugar with Kevin. Kevin, what did they do on sugar? All right. Uh, sugar was fairly quiet as well as typical for a June WASD report. Again, from a production standpoint on new crop, they really don't start taking into account uh, crop conditions and surveying until the July report, which is also a big one. It's you know kind of resetting 13.5% and you know Hopefully they've got all the imports and stuff put together, so you have a full look at a, a you know realistic scenario come July. But my guess is we're going to have a little bit of work to do both on 22, 23, and uh, 23, 24 uh, when it gets down to it. But for old crop, uh, we did get a few little changes here and there, and the one that we know's been coming, we've been talking about it in recent uh, months with lower production in Mexico's the import category. And with Mexico's crop likely coming in around uh, 5.23 million tons, we uh, have less sugar available down there. So that uh, lowered Mexico's crop uh, exports to the United States 91,000 tons to 1.15 million tons now. And uh, they partially offset that by raising high tier imports, another 25,000 tons. If you remember, we started talking about this beginning of the year. Mexico had a really, really low figure. And uh, it's now up to 250,000 tons in line with the last four years, but still down 140,000 tons from the 390,000 tons of high tier imports that came in last year. All in all, beet sugar was up 16,000 tons on a little bit higher sugar recovery number. So just a little massaging there. I think that number is actually going to be higher because of early harvest that'll take place with the uh, of new crop. You'll probably end up closer to like 5.2 million tons. Not enough to make a difference. But uh, when you look at all the changes here and as a result of the reduction in ending stocks, 51,000 tons stocks to use ratio is now only 13.1%, Mike. So uh, guess what that means? Wow. Yeah. A little bit low. And I think it really suggests with these lower numbers of Mexican imports, either they're going to see high tier imports come in a lot higher and or they're going to have some uh, work to do in increasing some quotas. And I'll raise my hand and vote for uh, higher quotas here at this point in time. And, uh, you know, bring that stocks to use ratio up, make for a better transition to, uh, to new crop as well. So when you look at 23-24, for a June report, I think they actually did make a lot of changes. Of course, part of that being looking at Mexico's sugar availability and having the lower numbers uh, this year, but higher production, lower uh, domestic demand next year. They did make more sugar available and raised imports from Mexico for next year. So that was encouraging, expecting Mexico's crop to be back up to 5.9 million metric tons, which in my calculations comes out to below average yields. And uh, again, expecting strong record uh, type of number on the area harvested. On U.S. crops, bad news came about in that uh, category as... uh, On the cane production side, USDA lowered cane production uh, 87,000 tons 
And surprise, surprise, uh, most of that came out of Texas down 56,000 uh, short tons raw value, which, wow. yeah, that's more than half of their uh, production. So that was a big hit. Uh, they cited in the commentary that this was a result of surveys. So it's going to be really interesting at the end of the month when we get the acreage report from the USDA to see uh, if that's a large area or just a residual impact from drought and problems they've had over the last uh, couple of years. But uh, that, you know, is is a very discouraging number as we were seeing 107,000 tons last month and a you know fairly decent recovery for Texas, but certainly not up to the 120, 140,000 tons we'd like to see out of Texas. So just kind of speaks to the trouble we're continuing to see down in uh, Texas. Yeah, yeah, definitely. On the beet side, you know, they lowered beet production 11,000 tons. Not much to, to really talk about there. USDA is using a very conservative number on beet production. Really sure why, you know, obviously with plantings not there, you know, we have some lower area uh, forecast, which is fine when you get good yields. They'll, they'll still be able to produce a lot of sugar. California is going to be down. Obviously, there some lower areas. Water availability down in the southern portion of the state is still a problem despite all the great rains we had and snowpack across the rest of the state impacting uh, California production. But I still think when you look at 4950 with beets getting in the ground a little bit late to start in the Red River Valley, but they made up for great pace and were able to get the beets in the ground over a probably a shorter period of time to where the Last beets planted were, you know, probably on pace with it. So I'd, I'd kind of characterize Red River Valley plantings as like a week late, uh, you know, suggesting we could have a really good crop there. And uh, everywhere else, you know, we're not hearing any stories of massive replants or any, you know, huge storms causing uh, issues within the rest, you know, Idaho and Michigan, et cetera, across the plains. So I'm optimistic this is crop's going to be uh, a much better uh, crop than USDA is advertising here. Similar to what they did last year, they started off with a really conservative low number. So, you know, I think you can add a couple hundred thousand tons to that number and you'll probably see it slow and deliberate increases just like, uh, you know, they did this this year. Yeah. On the other changes, you know, they really didn't have much to say. Demand numbers of both years were unchanged. Um, you know, bottom line is USDA appears to have a lot of work to do in front of them as, you know, 13.1% stocks to use ratio for 22-23. And then with, you know, limited information on imports, you know, just using base levels on what they've announced so far on TRQs, etc. They're only at 10.6%. That'll look drastically different next month, I'm sure. But probably uh, with Mexico, depending on how they... Uh, look at those numbers, you know, they could come up short of 13.5% if Mexico doesn't have all that sugar available and, and have to uh, look at other sources to get things up. So it's going to be really interesting uh, July WASDE and uh, look forward to talking about that with you uh, in July. Excellent. Thank you. Great recap, Kevin. Uh, great recap, Eric. We're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. I hope everybody has a great and wonderful weekend. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favelle.com for more information. 
And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.